Welcome to the 7 Daily Choices Podcast, a podcast designed to empower you to transform your relationships, optimize your leadership, and ignite your world. My name is Dow Tippett, and I want to help you create, build, and sustain a thriving life with others. Well, we want to welcome everybody to the show this week. Uh, Dow, good to see you this morning. How are you? I'm doing good, Bob. How are you? I'm good. So for those of you who don't know me, I'm, I'm Robert Tippett, and I'm going to now be helping Dow by helping to host the show. And uh, it's good to be with you. Uh, looking forward to some of the things we've got to do and the help we can give to other people. I'm excited about this. Yeah, me too. I'm excited to be together and kind of uh, start more conversational. You know, I, um, in your own words, I've kind of preached it people for a while. <laughs> I've tried to be conversational, but it's hard to be conversational one-on-one. So I'm excited about that opportunity. Yeah. When you're doing it by yourself uh, and you're having a conversation, people are going to think you're weird. So it'll be nice to have uh, somebody to talk back and forth with. And, and hopefully we'll be able to get some goodness out of, the, out of our conversations for, for the people in the audience, which is really exciting. This week, we're going to have an opportunity to uh, cover an interview that you got to do with Crystal Waltman, who is an author uh, and a speaker and a coach um, and a, a, a somebody who's got a, just a really fascinating story uh, that she shares in her book that came out recently. And it's interesting, you know, when we talk about ways to improve or ways to succeed or ways to get ahead in life, we usually make a list of things we need to start doing, the things we need to start adding to our life. Uh, Crystal has a very interesting point of view of something else that we need to consider that we haven't considered. She's titled her book, Quitting to win, quitting to win. Can you imagine that? Having to give some things up in order to get ahead. It's a, what an idea. She calls it a proven plan to let go of bad habits, learn to feel and love yourself. Yeah. One of the things that's interesting with Crystal, and you'll find this out, you know, she's a champion in so many ways. Uh, and so that sports analogy, you know, winners never quit. And yet her whole point is no, to win, there's things we got to quit. You got to give them up. That's right. So she was a college athlete, a, a national champion softball player, as I understand. She played infield, correct? Yeah, she was first baseman. Okay. Softball first base. Yeah. Okay, great. She also struggled because she physically because she uh, had a broken back and had to go through some spinal surgery. Is that correct? Yeah. And when you read that story in the book, it, it's not one of those things where she was doing something crazy. Uh, she was picking up a load of laundry, but because of the physical injury she'd uh, caused early on in her life, it, it all just sort of came together uh, to cause her to break her back. Okay. <laughs> a load of la- literally was doing housework, broke her back. And, um, she had to go through all the recovery involved with that while she was trying and working to become sober. To become sober. And that's where quitting to win really comes into play. She, she spent many years as an alcoholic and she, she recognized that uh, she didn't learn how to quit this. She was not going to be able to move forward in life and win. And so there's a lot of anecdotes that you guys will share in the interview. So we'll, uh, we'll let you guys get into that in the interview. So let's, let's take a listen to your conversation with Crystal Waltman. Crystal, it's great to have you on the show. And let me ask you this. Um, 
you have just published a book and come out with quitting to win, which is a twist on a phrase that most of us don't hear very often. And one of the things I want to ask, I guess, kind of start off, how did all that happen? Yeah. So anyways, it was a long journey, but kind of in perspective to what other people to me have been like, how long have you, you know, so from, from the time that I reached my 40th birthday sober, I decided to write a book. Then it took me two years to get it out, you know, to get my own way and find the right publisher. Then from the time I engaged with my publisher from constant to delivery was 12 months. Okay. So he took me, I didn't have anything written. I didn't have anything on paper. Didn't consider myself a writer, but knew I wanted to write a book. People have been telling me for years, write a book. You got to write this down. Da, da, da. So, so a year, it took me from concept, you know, all the way to publishing and have a product within 12 months. Now I'm on the other side of that. I'm on the 12 month marketing side of that. And, you know, writing this promotion tour. Yeah. So you got to kick off with the big celebration of winning an uh, author Academy elite award. I did. Yeah. So here's the book quitting to win. And it's a, and to let go of bad habits, learn to feel yourself. And it's, um, basically how to release the shame and guilt. And it's my part memoir, part self-help through sports, spine surgery, and sobriety. Sports, spine surgery, and sobriety. We'll, we'll get into that in just a minute. I do want to talk first about um, the first five chapters. So the you've got the book divided in two parts. You've got quitting, uh, quit shutting the door on your past, and then uh, quit shutting the door on your emotions. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. And that first half, you're really honest about your story. You you mentioned just a few minutes ago, you're an open book. Uh, <laughs> we were talking and you're really open about your story. What was it like to put your story out there in written form where, you know, now thousands of people can read it? Well, at first I didn't know what to expect, but I just knew it was something I wanted to do. Um, I wrote down some stuff that I had told anybody. And it was the most healing thing that I've ever done. You know, I I feel that it was those stories were keeping me sick. And I believe that you're only as sick as your secrets and my days of alcoholism and addiction, like to keep me sick in that shame and guilt and I, you know, letting, letting it go. So I was always just put on the game face and go win, produce, high achiever, performance God. And as long as I was performing and producing, then everything was fine. Meanwhile, I was like dying inside. Yeah. So those stories, um, you, when you started this pro- project at 40, you were already sober. So you kind of already walked through them. Were you still not sharing them with other people? I had shared them with my spiritual advisor, my, which is my, was my sponsor. I called her my spiritual advisor. Yes. But some of them, like my brother and my mom, like they heard some of those for the time, you know, they just got swept under the rug and never discussed. Uh, so how'd that go with your family? <laughs> yeah. So my mom didn't talk to me when the book came out um, for, 
about a month. And then we just picked up like normal and never discussed the book. So you've, you've experienced that your whole life where your family just sort of, they just don't talk about things that are difficult. Is that kind of true? That, from reading yes. The book? And when I tell but, people that they go, well, she stuck to, she stuck to her MO. I mean, that's her, you know, that's the way she operates. She just like, doesn't want to focus on bad. Doesn't want to talk about it. If it's, if you don't talk about it, it's not happening. Um, so it's just her way of, you know, it's, it's just always been our relationship. So does that kind of keep you distant? I don't know. We do talk every day. Okay. But we talk about my daughter and we talk about life and we just check in with each other, you know, but it never gets deep. Like if I start to say something bad, she'll be like, oh, how's Libby? You know, which is my daughter. She'll just like waylay it into like, what's good? I want to hear stuff. I don't want to hear the bad stuff. Like it's almost like, you know, where you focus your where your is is where your energy flows right so she's very like don't put energy there you know don't put your energy there but for me i needed to process some things you know because they were still caring they were i was holding so much right how's your husband done because i (laughs) as a man i'm kind of (laughs) like Um, well, he read one chapter of the book and then he put it down. He hasn't read it since. And then mm. I did edit that part down that he set him. And he's like, I don't need to read it. I lived it. And, you know, your past, your past. And we don't regret the, you know, regret the past or wish door on it. And you no know, past relationships or whatever made, made us who we were when we met each other. So it's not really about the past. I don't know. You know. It's interesting that you asked me that. I mean, I'm in the trenches of it being five years sober and okay. keeping a marriage together and, you know, navigating that. And it's, I'm watching it play out on one of those Orange County housewife shows where somebody just got sober and she's 30. And she's sitting across from her husband at dinner and she's like, you know, I haven't had, haven't been intimate since then. And I haven't, I'm so angry and, and I'm watching this and I'm like, oh my gosh, I went through that. I went through that. And she's like, am I going to lose my friends? Am I still going to have a social life? Is my husband going to divorce me? Like he, they don't want you drunk, but then do they want you sober either? You know what I mean? Because they lose their drinking buddy of 20 years. Right. So it's kind of, it, it, I mean, you, I, when you, when I surrendered, I had to surrender all the way, not knowing what was going to happen. Awesome. Um, but so. he stayed. But I'm glad he stayed. And, yes. and I have a lot of hope for, uh, you know, we talk a lot about honesty, bringing freedom. And I, I just think it's going to bring a lot more freedom and time for you guys. Yeah. I'm excited yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, he's not, he doesn't have a problem. Right. And so, you know, that's the dichotomy of that problem that drinks that much or is a social drinker or whatever, you know, they don't, they don't have those problems, have the blackout gene. They don't, they don't have that out gene. Um, so good for them. Right. <laughs> That's not my case. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned your sponsor. Um, I'm going to talk, you mentioned your sponsor, Louise. She had a real impact on you. Can you tell us some about Louise? Cause you've, well, why don't you tell us a little bit about her? Then I've got, I've got more. <laughs> okay. So she was this stoic lady that lived across the street from me 
and she lived by herself. She was late seventies. She was always well put together. Like she just walked off a magazine. She was a former art studio owner. She owned, owned a couple art studios in Old Town Scottsdale and in New Mexico. So she was an art dealer. And I knew, she, I knew she had went through like four husbands and I just always looked up to her and she would, you know, we check in with each other because I was home a lot with baby without husband. He was on the road. So she, you know, she lived by herself. So we would always check in on each other and I knew she was, she didn't drink. So one day I was, after I had a bad night, I was pushing my daughter um, around the neighborhood and she came over and was like, you know, where's your husband? How's your daughter? Blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, how do you not drink? How do you not do it? You know? And she said, Oh, come with me on Sunday at five o'clock, come to my house. And it was like a Friday afternoon. So I showed up at her house and I thought we were going to go for dinner. And we drove through, headed down Scottsdale Road to Paradise Valley to this beautiful part of the valley. And it was sunset. And I just thought, oh, great. We're going to some of my favorite restaurants. And then around to this big church that was really beautiful. And around the back, she went into the meat, you know, to different small, to the small part of the church in the back. And then we got out and um, she was like, yeah, this is where I go on Sunday. I want you to meet some of my friends. And we walked in and people were hugging. They gave me a ticket. I thought there was a raffle. I had like, I really didn't get what was happening, but she took me to an open meeting and an open meeting. And there was about a hundred people there. There was two men sitting up front and about a hundred chairs in this nice church, nice and air conditioning. And I remember feeling the air condition and people's hugs and raffle tickets, but they were all laughing and like happy, joyous and free. And I was like, zoom, like just so heavy that day. And I'm just awkward sitting there. And then, you know, the meeting starts and I start hearing the speaker and I start hearing parts of my story. And then other people share and I start to hear parts of my story and then other people. And I'm just like, what? These are my people. I didn't know you were out here. And then, you know, to long, they had been sober 10, 20, 30 years. She was like a 30 year sober person. And she was like friends with Betty Ford back in the day when all Betty Ford settled in Arizona and built her place. And so I just did not know how to be happy, joyous and free without, without taking the edge off with, without having a drink and to see these people happy, joyous and free and laughing without any substance was like, where am I? Well, I did not know that had existed because I had been around it for my, for so long. It was just ingrained in my culture. You know, you drink before you go out, you drink when you get out, you drink when you get back. It was just part of it. So if you don't mind, I'm going to back up a little bit into your story. You, mm-hmm. you had, I mean, childhood was rough, but where you start is probably one of the hardest things. And the reason I want to deal with it is right now the rate, um, the suicide rate's going really high. And you lost a friend. Uh, was it in high school or right after high school, just after high school? Uh, right after high school. I was in my sophomore year. We were both away at college playing ball and got to back together at my mom's house for Christmas break. So we, it was like, you know, during Christmas break, we were both young you know, 1920. Yeah. And that really, that story seemed to like start kind of start you down a track where 
things just got worse and worse and worse. Am I right? Yeah, that was definitely, it was like a downward spiral from there. Um, I just didn't know how to process losing a friend. She was like my BFF. We were like one in one and I just could not, you know, and she, the night that she died, we were together and we had been at my mom's house, just catching up on sports and teams and boys and carrying on. And, you know, yes, we had some substance with us and she left to go see an old boyfriend. And, and then I got the call hours later and her house was surrounded by police cars and yellow tape. And, you know, she was a high achiever and a collegiate athlete. And I just did not understand what had happened because she was given her parents were together and she had just was given all the, you know, things that you would, would need, you know, she had a family unit, her dad was around and she, she just had it all together. And like, it's just then that you realize, I just realized then it's like the human emotion is you never really know what's going on with somebody, but yeah, that sent me into a downward spiral. That was my first suicide attempt after that. And, um, you know, just kept going from there, but suicide is on the rise. Like you said, um, for the millennial generation, this, the whole thing about writing this book is, is to raise awareness for mental illness and to share the story. You know, if I, I didn't know how to identify it, you know, then after that I went to counseling and stuff and they said, well, maybe, you know, these were signs. Well, maybe we had some of those signs, but I didn't know, like, you, you know, you weren't educated about that topic, for example, and, and alcoholism and that, like, I don't know. I just didn't know what I didn't know at the time. Right. And so let me, and, and eventually, so that sits you in a spiral. Eventually you get to the point where you're in the car with your daughter, <laughs> driving home from yet another one of those moments where you had told yourself you weren't going to have any more. That's right. And, than you did. That's right. And, and like you said in the book that that's so many people's story. They think if I can just will it away, if I, if I can just will it away. And for some reason, um, there, there are those among us who willing it away is just not going to happen. I mean, you're just not going to do that. And so you say you hit rock bottom at that point and things began to shift. Tell us about that moment, that hitting rock bottom and, and how things began to change for you. Yeah, I knew that I was either going to end up in jail, dead, or without family and child. I mean, that's where I was headed. And I just, I did not want to, to lose my family. I wanted my daughter so bad. And then, you know, why would I want to drink it away? Why would I want to drink her away? But I saw a few of my moms in my same circle lose their driving privileges and not be able to drive their kids for a year. You know, like, what good are you if you can't drive your kids around? <laughs> I mean, hard for a soccer mom not, to be a soccer mom, right? Hard to be a soccer mom when you don't have a license yeah. or when you're in tent city. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, I can laugh at it now, but it is very serious. Yeah. And people are still losing their license every day. And so I just had to surrender. I was drinking, I was hiding it. I couldn't stop after Monday, you know, when people, we would be social all weekend. My husband would go back to work. And then, you know, I, I would still need something to take the edge off. I was hiding it and I was drinking and driving. I'm, I'm just so glad I didn't kill somebody. 
So, so what do you think shifted? Because it was right after that you had your conversation with Louise. What shifted that night as you realized you were rock bottom? Because, what, I, yeah, I just could not. My bottom was drinking and driving once again and lying to my husband. Like he was out of town and I'm like going to go out for a little bit. Nobody will know, but still nobody knows, but I knew. But because she was so young at the time. And I'm just like, I, I remember putting her to bed and falling to my knees and just saying, like, God, help me. I can't, I can't do this anymore. Um, and I don't know what that was going to look like. You know, I didn't know. And I didn't know how what sobriety looked like in my life because it had always been there. Right. You, you'd never been with sobriety. I had never been with sobriety. That was a new person on my invite list. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, so one of the things jumped out at me. So, so we talk about seven daily choices. One of the key choices is honesty. And you made this quote and, and it jumped off the page at me because of that. You said at one of your book club meetings, um, which you were talking about your AA meetings, right? That's right. Um, you said, I was drawn to their honesty. Why do you think you're, we're drawn to honesty? Well, because to sit in a room and for somebody to say, I drink and drive with my kids in the car. Or I don't like being a mother or, you know, the women's meetings, women really open up and then they have mixed meetings where it's more life issues. But in the women's meetings, you'll, you'll hear people and they just, and you're like, oh, I thought I was the only one that had that feeling. I thought I was the only one that had the feeling. She actually said that out loud. And then you're just like, oh my God, these are my people. And not, and when somebody says something, it's like, they don't, they're not judging you. They actually like embrace you, you know, like I get it. So the honesty of not being okay was okay in there. Mm. Why do, you, why do you think, is it normies? Is that what you call the rest of us? We call normies. <laughs> Are you a normie? Why do you think it's harder for, for most people? Why do you think honesty is so difficult when it can be so healing? Well, I can only speak for my normie situation that I'm in. <laughs> and my husband is just like, why do you want to talk about bad stuff all the time when you go to the meetings? And I go, well, that's where I feel comfortable. You know, I just feel more comfortable being deep with people and that we have this in common. And, you know, it's just, it's it, something seems so surface to me now. So yeah, normies don't have deep, dark secrets that they carry shame and guilt about for some reason they, you know, just process it differently and drink when they're happy and not when they're sad. Well, let me just say that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> we normies have deep, dark secrets too. We just, we just, unfortunately, far too often, we just keep them deep and dark. Deep and um, dark. Yeah. You said something earlier about your secrets. Keep um, your secrets. Your only sick secrets. Yeah. Yeah. Is that, is that an AA quote? You're only sick as your secrets? It's, it's in there. It's, I mean, oh, okay. it's one of the standard things. So you're only as sick as your secrets. So when you go through the step to do your amends, it's like, don't leave anything off the paper. Okay. And when I started that process of writing down my amends and going through that with my sponsor, there was a point where I realized there was nothing I could say that would shock her. And I was like, okay, she's been, you know, and, and then she was like, when I give her the paper, right. And then I'm like expecting her to be like, what? She goes, is that it? Are you sure you got everything on there? 
And then, oh, by the way, you forgot to put yourself on. And here is number one. You have to forgive yourself. Mm. So that's mm. always the first, the, the person that people leave off the list is themselves. And then she's like, is that it? This is it. This is everything. You know, and you're like, what? I just poured my guts out onto a paper. And you're like, and she's like, is that it? Are you sure? Like, let's try to do this as thorough as we can the first time around, you know, to get a solid, solid foundation. Yeah. So, so it's interesting because I'm, uh, as people on the podcast have, may have heard once or twice, but is going to be coming out. I'm about to release a um, spiritual growth course on how to grow spiritually. And I'm working like just before we got on the call here tonight, I was working on my confession section and how to do confessions well. And I think that um, the alcohol and narcotics anonymous groups, if every person and especially Christians could just sit in on one and go, that's how you do confession, <laughs> right? I'm not here to brag. I'm here to get my, my secrets out so they don't hold me captive. And when somebody's giving their secrets, I don't get in their way and I let them share and I let them give their heart out because they need that. It's not about me when I'm listening, right? Right. So um, that's important. You mentioned uh, forgiving yourself. Right. Why do you think it's so important to put, to deal with your past? I don't want to say put it behind you because your past defines you. So it's not like we get rid of it. But why is it important to deal with your past well in order to move forward into a better life? Well, I just really had self-limiting beliefs. Like if I let all this out, then, you know, there's no way I can move forward, okay. you know, and I just. So, so, and writing the book, you said it took you about two years to get it out. Do you still worry? about the message now being out there and people having that? No, since then I've done like over 25 podcasts and told all different stories and stories that got edited out and I don't have any, no. Awesome. The power of the word and, you know, all I am getting feedback of people texting me or me, you know, on all different platforms and just saying, thank you for that story. It's encouraged me to heal. Thank you for that story. It's encouraged me to open up this dialogue with my mom. It's encouraged me to open up this dialogue with my parent or with my kid. So, oh, I was going to wait to talk to my daughter about something, but now I'm going to start now. You never know when it's too, it's time, you know, so I'm getting, and then recovering out loud, you know, um, alcoholism doesn't have to look like under the bridge with the brown bag. Like it, it can look, it, this is what it looks like. <laughs> this is another right. face of it. You know, it, it is your neighbor, your cousin, your uncle, your kid, you know, it, it can be anybody. You don't know what mental illness look face of all of us. Right. So no, I feel so, good about the book coming out. I mean, about it being out and winning award and carrying the message and raising awareness for mental illness and, you know, getting in and talking to kids. I'm part of this charity that goes in and talks to kids and gets them to commit to abstinence of alcohol and drugs, grades, grades six through nine. Awesome. So it's kind of like, you know, the no texting, no driving thing that's hap- that, that has happened or how D.A.R.E. was, you know, drinking and driving D.A.R.E. So this is like, it's not just drinking and driving. Like you're like, okay, I'm not drinking and driving. I'm not going to kill anyone. But it's like, no, don't start with you. So it's even like one more layer down. Okay. 
Awesome. Well, that's fantastic. I want to I want to take a turn because I want to talk about the second half of the book. Okay. In the second half of the book, you give some real practical solutions, and I don't want to go too deep because because I want people to go buy your book. Yes. But I want to let them know some of what's in there so that they know what they're going to get when they get in there. Because there's some really practical stuff in the second half of the book that I thought, okay, I need that. And I highlighted that. And um, so so let's talk through some of those things, because I want people to have just a little bit, just a taste. Let's not give them too much, but just a taste. Um, Speaking of which, let's talk about taste, because when this episode comes out here in a couple of weeks, it's going to be coming up on Thanksgiving. Okay. And um, you have changed not just your drinking habits, but you have changed your diet. You have made drastic changes to the way you eat, the way you think about food to to a much more healthy place. Tell us how we can get healthier about our food and our thoughts around food so that um, we're not captured. And, And what I like is that there's both sides of it. It's not that you don't want to enjoy food, but you're, you want to be careful about how you view food. So talk to us a little bit about how you view food and how you went through a transition to kind of figure out what food's role is in your life and how to get a handle on it. So after I stopped drinking, they said like, oh, be careful because you're going to crave sugar because you've been having sugar all this time, right? So I was really careful. And then I had like all this food noise of what I could eat. So after I stopped drinking and that drinking noise went away, then I started with this food noise. And the difference between food and um, a substance is you can't abstain from it, right? Like the different, you can abstain from that. So food is like a little trickier. So it's like, how do you, how did I get rid of that noise and not pass on an eating disorder to my daughter? And I was like, plant-based, God-based food. And it's just, you know, pause, pray, plan, portion, and just buy. Okay, wait, 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 review. Do that again. So everybody can catch it. Pause, pray, pray plan, and, and portion. portion. Okay. So okay, good. you get God made food, you know, you just want to shop in the vegetables and fruits areas. I mean, and you won't overeat yourself on strawberries, you know, you just won't, Okay. You know, but then just less, less process, less package. You know, if you're and then I also watched a few people die of cancer and a f- one with breast cancer who was my age and she was able to heal herself from it. But all these wonderful stories of people healing themselves by going plant-based and I'm just like, okay, so uh, there's a less chance I might get cancer if I cut out meat. Okay. So let's do that. Like, okay. okay. So it, I just feel so much better and I can eat whatever I want. Yeah. I eat whatever I want plant-based right <laughs> yeah but, but crystal it's it's turkey i mean i mean, I mean it's turkey you know and then i had a japanese daughter for nine months um yeah. foreign exchange student and she would eat she would use meat to cook it for flavor so she might use an okay. ounce or two to flavor the dish and i was like wow like they ate meat but it wasn't their main course so it's just like a little bit and i go wow that's a nice way to look at it so you know I watched her like a, a six ounce steak would feed the whole family in her culture. So I got to experience that. And I'm like, okay, on, well, Crystal, I lost you all of a sudden. I'm, I can I'm still not see sure where the audio went. Can you hear me? Okay, there we go. So let's back up just a little bit. You were talking about how they use meat. To they, just they use add me for, flavor. 
Yeah, for flavoring. Like, okay. so they would just cook with the meat in the in the dish to flavor up the vegetables or whatever, but meat wouldn't be like the main, the main course. And I just started by one day taking it out, doing like a meatless Monday, you know, and I go, oh, I feel yeah. better, you know? And then it's like, okay, just took it out of breakfast and lunch, you know, and just started slowly taking it out. And then I'm just like, I just feel so much better without it. And when I eat it, if I do eat it, I feel heavy and lethargic and it just takes my energy to, for digestion. So it, it, it was just real simple thing for me. Like, okay, I'm not going to put alcohol in my body. I know I have these allergies. I have these also food allergies like that. I can just feel I'm puffy. Right. Right. So, so for you, it was just a, it, and, it, and like you said, you started with a step. You uh-huh. didn't try to fix it all at once. And then you, right. you've got to where now you have a weekly kind of system to maintain what you've, what you've changed. So it's not on a diet, off a diet, on a diet, off a diet. That's right. I was always on or off something. I was just exhausted. <laughs> right. I was exhausting right. myself because I'm like, either I'm training for something or I'm all the way off. You know, right. I, that, that extreme personality again you know, it's like, how do you live like that? So yeah, I I mean, just going God-based food is so simple. Mm. I mean, it's really so simple, you know, and I teach my girls on on the team, you know, eat three colors of fruit a day, three colors of vegetable a day, drink, try to drink only water, you know, just eat food with water in it. Like you don't need that much water with all these people carrying around water. If you're eating the right food with the water in it, Right. Your celery is processed food. You need the water, you know, to balance it out and stuff. But if you, you really, you just need regular anyways. So yes, I, my second book, I'm going to start writing first quarter is going to be called eating to win. Right. I saw that. I saw that you're looking for another one. You're going to be looking for another one. And I am now, um, training people on the unhackable and I'm an unhackable coach. So I'm helping people get from dreaming to doing, you know, and how to not be hacked. And, you know, I was hacked by alcohol and drugs for many years. And then after that, I was hacked by my self-limiting beliefs. And how did I get over that and to write this book and get it out in the short time of one year and then go on and publish and PR during the pandemic and COVID. And they're like, how did you do it? Or why did you do it? Why didn't you hold off? I'm like, no, like there's nothing. My boon is so high nothing will get in my way. That's awesome. Calling now. That's awesome because you know who you are. Right. Yeah. That shift makes such a big difference for all of us. When we're when we're confident in ourselves, we can give ourselves more to other people. Right. That's right. Right. Um, let me talk about a couple other things just real quick that I want to encourage people to see in the book. We're not going to dive into them. Uh, you do give some stretching exercises that are that are just I I love them. They're beautiful, easy, start your day with a few exercises. And um, there's there's pictures so you can see how to do it well. Um, Thank so you. dive in and grab those. Uh, I want to encourage people also, there's a, there's a, the triangle, what, what I, I, I don't know what else to call it, sobriety triangle, I guess, um, that, that is where you, you understand that sobriety is not just about alcohol, it, then you've got to deal with the emotional and the spiritual. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to stay sober, right? That That's right. Because if you, you can take alcohol out of your life or your substance of whatever your addiction of choice is and be what they call like a dry drunk. 
like you're still an a-hole or you're miserable at life or you're resentful or, you know, you're just not able to be present. You're irritable, you're restless, irritable and discontent. You have the RIDS. Yeah, that that was going to be the next thing I asked about. So talk about the RIDS. <laughs> so, yeah, one I'm um, so quit. Yeah. Quitting to win is it's just about doing less. Less is more like and you take it out and then you go through the steps and. The triangle, it's not just about taking out, it's about being able to get back. So it's um, unity, service and recovery, recovery, gotcha. one unity, service. And then uh, where were we? The stretches? The, so, no, RIDS. Talk, talk about RIDS. Restless. Restless. Yeah. So you get the RIDS. RIDS is like, I would get the RIDS around three o'clock in the afternoon. I'd be pacing around my kitchen. Like I'm restless and I'm irritable. I'm discontent. I'm like, what's going on? And, you know, and then you got a halt, which means just stop doing what you're doing. Am I hungry, angry, lonely, or tired? And generally it was one of those four things. Right. So, you know, I can still get antsy a little bit. And it's like, okay, let me just drink some water, take a nap, uh, right. you know, positively recharge, be act in active recovery, and then, you know, reset. So I have the ability to do that now and not like spiral and waste energy uselessly. Right. Just. So, so I want to encourage people real quick who are helping others, who are um, helping those who are getting off, or you're living with those who are getting off. RIDs are normal, right? They're a normal part of recovery, that restless, irritable, and discontent. There's this sense of disruption going on. And so when that happens, um, we can help out those who are going through this by helping them to halt, right? Yes. And helping them walk through that. Are you hungry? Are you angry? Are you lonely? Are you tired? Right. Right. And I found um, with my experience that hungry and tired usually help lead to angry and lonely. So you might just start with those two. <laughs> a lot of times a Snickers bar really does help. <laughs> <laughs> or or celery, celery, right? We, we don't celery, it's eat. like that. Uh, that's a commercial. Yeah. Yeah. And then back to my title, quitting to win. And then yeah. the stretches, yeah. you know, it's like if you eat less, your life becomes so much more easier. If you, then you have to work out less you know, then you actually sleep less because your body doesn't need that much sleep. So like less is more in this economy of more is more is more is better. And so, you know, if you're able to dial it all in with starting with yourself first and okay. the only thing you have control over is yourself. Right. So, you know, don't let anybody hack you with your nutrition. They're not putting the fork to your mouth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, even though I would, you would think, you know, your mom is putting out all this stuff and you want to eat it, but you got to give yourself some grace and have your free days or whatever, you know, find your balance. But these seven minute stretches, it's seven minutes of stretching every morning that I do. Like, you don't have to work out that much in 60 minutes and every day and spend the light. Like, you don't have to do that. Just eat less, you know, right. just eat the right food. Just don't be over. You cannot outrun your latest bad decision. <laughs> okay. So, so what you're saying is seven minutes a day is what you basically do for a workout. Yes, mostly. I do. I wake up, I reach over and touch my toes. I put my arms over my head. I do a little, you know, side stretching down dog to stretch out my back. 
Um, the same exercises every day. I do a little eagle twist, open up shoulders, hips, knees, and ankles. Yep, little seven-minute exercise, and that's all really you need. Once you get in a line, right? If right. you're trying to lose or you're trying to heal or you're trying to something, but once you get there, it's really easy to maintain. Okay. So so there's no need. So sometimes we look at these people who are super fit and we think, well, they must just work out 19 times a day. And you're saying, no, once you get fit, maintaining doesn't take that much. It does not take that much. If it just truly really fit. That's right. If you're truly fit, your body's burning your metabolism is firing properly and all your, all your normal systems are firing properly, muscular system, nervous system, respiratory, you know, if all those things are firing properly and you're not on any medication, you know, it's always that one pill that you start taking, like when you're 40 years old, high blood pressure, then there's that, and then that puts off the cholesterol pill, then that puts off the Coumadin. And the next thing you know, you're on 12 pills and you're like, but why isn't this diet working? Well, because you're already manipulating your body with the pill. So your body's not going to respond and try to heal itself like it's supposed to. Mm. So I really believe in fasting, like when you're sick or if you have any ailments, whether it could be a skin condition, it could be an allergy, it could be anything, you know, you're just not feeling well, like just stop everything and fast. <laughs> Don't go to the doctor because they're going to give you a pill <laughs> right? and let your body heal itself. Like your body is made to heal itself. You just have to give it a chance. Awesome. And yeah, so less is more quitting to win. You know, that's what it's all about in this new, this new era of 2021. 2021, because we're going to just move on from 2020, right? We're just going <laughs> to. So, so the best way, what you're trying to help people see is that the best way they're going to get ahead, do more, but to do less, to it's back up. It's to um, back it up. <laughs> one last thing that I want to that I want to talk about in quitting to win that I think is such a major issue in our culture today is the use of our time. Um, first of all, tell me about Sunday night meetings. Yes, so Sunday night start meetings at the home. So, so I so time stands for things that I must earn, right? So if you take care of all the stuff you have to do, but we sit down, we whiteboard. I actually have it right there. It's right there. <laughs> this little it's this whiteboard I write out my daughter's stuff I write out my stuff I write out my husband's stuff write out any house stuff and then we look at everything and then I food prep and I say how many meals can we eat at home this week you know how many dinners are we going to have how many lunches how many breakfasts and then I food prep for two hours on a Sunday and I make jars so you know on this day my daughter you know on Friday she might have to make her own breakfast and lunch and, um, you know, there might only be two of us for dinner on one night or something like that. And then we're going to cook and do this. So then I, you know, look it up, balance out everything. And it's really easy. And so I don't have decision fatigue constantly over what to eat. You know, it's kind of like the Steve Jobs thing of like, I'm going to wear the black t-shirt and the jeans because I don't want any decision. I don't want to waste any of my creativity on what is not important to me. Right. right. So you wear the same clothes every day. I love wearing the same clothes every day. And I love wearing uniform because right. you just put that same thing on like, and well, you know, what's it called? What the do you gi? wear? The gi. Yeah. You the know, gi. I mean, you get in the gi and something happens. It's right. like all that stuff falls away. And you're like, I know what I, my, what my next thing to do is. Right. So I have my uniform. And even though it's like, um, you know, yoga pants, 
and the same shirt, but I wear that same outfit every day. That's my, you know, get stuff done. And you just don't have to worry about it. Right. So less is more. And the planning session, you failed to plan, plan to fail. Okay. And then, and then um, the other thing is saying no. How would you encourage people to say no? Because no seems to be hard for some people. You say not right now. No, thank you. You know, thank you for the invite. I'll catch up with you next time. But really, it's not about saying no. It's more about like saying not right now or does that serve your boon or your higher calling or where you're at at this time? Because if somebody asks you to do something that's just totally left field and it doesn't go towards your purpose, then it's not a good use of time. But I mean, even if if you have a book signing and three people show up, that could be the best use of your time because you're going to reach those three people and that's in line with your boom. So talking, you know, it's, it's flattering to get asked out for like, do you want to go to meet at coffee for Starbucks? That's nice. But unless there's like a reason and we're going to get to something or do something, I'm like, no, I can't just hang out. And I'm just not in that headspace right now. So you just say, no, thank you. I mean, and I look at my week and I, you know, flow it out and time block it out so I can get into flow. Right. Because if you don't plan flow, you won't get into it. It, it You know, you just constantly get hacked and you're, you're playing defense. So you have to really be offensive with your time. Okay. So we, we want to be careful with our time because that's going to help us. And again, it's not so that we can, because um, we, we want to make sure we stuff everything in, but because we, by limiting what we do and what we say yes to, we actually become healthier. You become healthier doing less. Yeah. It's one of those things, quitting, quitting to win. Like, you know, for example, Sunday brunch is a really big thing for some people and and that doesn't really set you up for the best Monday. <laughs> right. You know, like maybe you just got to keep your cheat day to one meal, not like a whole day or a whole weekend, you know, because our society has gone like, okay, five days, good Friday, Saturday, Sunday off, you know, so you're four on three and like, you can't, that doesn't balance out. And like the cheat meal turned into a cheat day, turned into a cheat weekend. <laughs> right. you're not catching up you've talked about fasting and god food one of the things i always i've recommended before and continue to recommend is god gave one day a week for sabbath yes and even that day is supposed to be a day of rest and reflection right it's not a day of pouring a bunch of stuff into that day that you can't get done during your normal week that's right it's a day of rest and reflection like we, my mom would say no machines, like we couldn't do laundry, no lawnmower, no TV, nothing. It was just be outside, get some fresh air, be quiet, you know. Awesome. I, and I try to do that. We try, we, we, I strive for that. Okay. Hey, I want to ask you, a, um, I want to ask you a few questions aren't related directly to the book. Before we do anything else with the book, you want to make sure that we hear. Anything else you hear? Um, my audio book is coming out next right. week. So um, oh, if, thank you're, you. if you're local, I am having a live party. I'm going to have a pre-party online on the 18th. And that's going to be a virtual party. And then on the 20th, we I have partnered with an electric bike company. And if you rent a bike, then you get the free audio book. So we're running out the whole store. And then we're going to bike all the way down the green belt to Tempe, 
have lunch there, come back, and then I have lunch and a book signing set up. So that's for the audiobook launch. And then I have, I'm coaching Unhackable. So if you want to go take the Unhackable assessment and you want me to be your coach, you can go to quittingtowin.org and that will give you the flow assessment and the Unhackable assessment. You can find me on my website at crystalwaltman.com where you can pick up a signed copy. And, you know, books are everywhere books are sold. So awesome. And that's where I was going to go. I was going to ask you that. Where else can we find it? So, so we'll get people, we'll put that in the show notes, make sure people can get that, um, make sure that they get everything they need. So um, listen, thank you so much for doing this and for letting our um, audience hear your story and hear some of these ideas, because we want to help everybody live better with other people. And the best way to do that is going to be to learn how to live a better life yourself and the stronger you get, the more you're going to be there for the rest of your family. And so, and your friends and, and just the world around you. And so we want to help you do that. Listen, don't forget to go get quitting to win. Um, many of you know, I'm an audio uh, file. And so when the audible version comes out, I'll go get it. Uh, so that's coming <laughs> up the 18th. Um, I did read this one, but it takes a lot longer for me to actually read than to listen. I love to listen. So uh, I'm glad that's coming out. Because uh, that was going to be a different question. If I hadn't already heard you were doing that, I was going to ask you, when's the audio coming out? Because I love yeah. audiobooks. So, um, so thank you so much for doing this, Crystal. And uh, we'll check back in with you another time. Maybe when Eating to Win comes out, we can get you back on the show and do it again. Wonderful. I look forward to catching up after the new year. So there we go, Robert. Hey, let me ask you, my interview, you know, now that you've listened to the interview, what kind of jumped out at you about Crystal's story that you think will affect you and affect those around you immediately? Uh, there were there were several things in the interview that probably jumped out for me. I was I was very interested in the front end, the story of her past and and how she came to terms with with alcohol and her need for sobriety. I thought uh, her her statement of being able to walk in a room for the first time in her life and recognize these are her people. These people get her. They understand her. Uh, you know, I've been blessed to have a similar moment in my life uh, with with other men, and and just knowing that I had a, a safe space to kind of come and 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 talk out whatever was on my heart that needed to be addressed or dealt with and know that I was going to be protected and safe was huge for me when I first discovered that. It's one of those things that I've tried to myself repeat for others uh, ever since. If you can help create that environment for, for people uh, regularly where they, they know they can be safe with you and, and, and allow them to open up uh, for change, which is, that was, that was the first thing that really struck me in, in, in that conversation. Yeah. Finding, Finding our people becomes so important. Yeah, I really enjoyed the practical tips. Of course, for me, um, I'm, I'm good at uh, the emotional or the, the, less, um, the less practical stuff in my head, in my heart. I kind of think about that stuff all the time. But the practical things are what help me get through life. And I need a lot of sure. systems uh, as a creative. You know, I'm always all over the place. And so I need systems to help me. And so some of those practical systems she gives, and we right. didn't even dive into, I mean, when you get the book and you have the book in hand, uh, she gets really specific about some stretches where she's giving pictures 
so that you can you can identify those pictures so you can see the stretch. You're not just having to make it up. Um, she gives some recipes for getting healthier, but she talks about their Sunday. We talked a little bit about this in the interview, their Sunday night meetings. Um, I don't know that my family, it'll be Sunday night, but having that once a week meeting where you kind of say, hey, here's the plan for the next week. And we all kind of just get on the same page and there's a system for that. Um, I don't know about, I know for you, a lot of, you know, most of your kids are now uh, on, even your one that's still living there with you has grown. Um, so you're dealing with adults. But right. for me, I've still got three in the house, yep. but they're high school, and middle school, which means I got one going that way and one going that way, and one going that way. And, and we're trying to figure out our schedule, you know, my wife and I. And so relationally, it creates some real tension as we're trying to navigate that. But if we could just stop and that idea of quitting, just stop everything for right. you know a short period of time right. once a week to fix that, you know, to solve that, uh, we could really, I think, just take some tension out of our lives because we've chosen to quit um, running without a plan. So thanks for listening. Hey, I also want to ask you, what do you need to quit? Send us a message at support at sevendailychoices.com. Let us know what it is you feel like you need to quit so that you too can win. Hey, thanks for listening. If you've heard something today that you've liked or something you've enjoyed, let us know that as well. We'd love to hear from you and hear what you've got going on. We'd love to hear your questions and comments and ideas for the future. We really do want to make this more and more of a conversation. Um, Also, if you could like, share, comment, that just helps us get the word out to more people. If you'll give us a review and rating on iTunes, that helps us get the message out to more people about transforming their relationships to optimize their leadership. And finally, we want you to remember this. Life is a gift. Living is a choice. And living is measured in relationships. So choose relationship today.